Good morning, Grace. Scripture reading today will be in the book of Luke chapter 2. So we are in Luke chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 25. At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him, and he had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people Israel. Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, the baby's mother, This child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall and many others to rise. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your very soul. Anna, a prophet, was also there in the temple. She was the daughter of uh, Phanuel from the tribe of Asher, and she was very old. Her husband died when they had been married only seven years. Then she lived as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but stayed there day and night, worshiping God with fasting and prayer. She came, uh, she came along just as Simeon was talking with Mary and Joseph, and she began praising God. She talked about the child to everyone who had been waiting expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this time we were able to share as families yesterday as well, Lord. Lord, we thank you for your gift of Jesus Christ. We thank you for blessing us beyond what we could even ask or think in this way. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your gospel. And Lord, we thank you for an opportunity today to come and worship you. Lord, I ask you bless the rest of this service. Be within each and every one of our hearts and minds today. And Lord, go with us from this place when we leave and bless the day we have ahead of us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it is with great joy that we gather here this morning. My wife, yesterday, from our journey of going and seeing all of our children and what the Lord had blessed them with, when we finally got home, she asked me, are you ready for tomorrow? And I said, well, what I have so far might cover about 10 minutes. And she said, praise God. But I've developed it a little bit longer than that. So, hey, man, I have 45 minutes. I'm going to get you out early. But is that okay if I get you out early with everybody? Oh, there's no amen back there, so I'll, I'll just keep going. Yeah, I'll keep going. I do want to give you a, a couple of updates as to what's happening, specifically the first three weeks of January. Next Sunday... Mark and Joe Ottinger will be with us, and Mark is going to be preaching on uh, next Sunday. Just to give you that heads up that Mark will be here, he'll be preaching in both services. 
And so mark that on your calendars. On the 16th of January, we will be having a Gideon representative who will be sharing the ministry of the Gideons. And uh, so we want to prepare ourselves for that. But on the 9th, uh, I've been impressed by the Lord to speak on something that is going to be very controversial. I'm commanded by the word of God that I am to feed and protect the sheep. And so on the 9th of January, I am going to be speaking on the spiritual dangers of COVID. We all know what the physical ones are. But I see in the last year a spiritual danger that has arisen on the horizon that we need to be made aware of. And so that's called the spiritual. There are, I believe there are four huge spiritual dangers of COVID. So pray for me as we develop that and, and get enough courage and backbone to stand before you and share those things. But I must do that. I cannot allow these things to continue without warning us. So that's on January the 9th. This morning, though, we are in finishing our series of A Marvelous Christmas. And this morning, I want to speak on the subject of hope. Of hope, the marvelous message in the name of Jesus Christ. It's about hope. Maybe you've seen the movie, but I have, and it's called The Shawshank Redemption. Andy Dufresne, who meets an inmate named Red, through the years of their incarceration, both of them become close friends. At one point in the movie, Andy is put into solitary confinement for an act he did against the warden of the prison. When released from his confinement, Andy joins his regular group of inmates at the lunch table and the inmates begin to question him on how he could withstand the rigors of confinement, solitary confinement. It's in that point of the movie that Andy points to his head and he says, his head, and he says, they can't take my hope away. It seems in that scene that Red becomes agitated and he reprimands Andy for such a thought. Red informs Andy that he is not to, he's not getting out of prison and it would be better for him to just give up hope and learn how to live the prison life. Well, later on in the movie, Andy and Red are having a discussion at the wall of the prison. Andy gives Red the impression that he is about to do himself in. He can't take it anymore. In that discussion, Andy tells Red that if he ever gets out, he is to go to Buxton, find a stone wall on the north side of Buxton, and there will be a big tree at the end of that stone wall. And underneath that tree in the stone wall, there's a gift for you. Red really doesn't understand fully what Andy's talking about. 
but he tries his best to convince Andy that don't do yourself in. Well, you know in the movie that later in that night, Andy does escape because over the years he's been there, he's dug a tunnel how to get out. And the next morning when Red wakes up and they find out that Andy is no longer there, he has escaped and no one can find him. Later on, Red comes before the parole committee and after a number of unsuccessful attempts, finally the parole committee grants him release from prison. And it's there that Red follows through with the instructions of Andy. He goes to Bunkston, and there he finds the, the stone wall, and he goes to the end of the stone wall underneath the big tree, and he finds a certain stone that Andy told him it would be under, and what he digs up is, looks like a, a metal box with a ship painted on the outside of it. If you didn't catch that, let me just tell you, that is an insight to what Andy wants to do. He wants to start a fishing business. Thus the boat on the outside of the container. Red opens it up and he finds an envelope and a letter. The envelope is full of money. The letter, though, is addressed to Red and it begins, Red, if you are reading this letter, then you must have been released. And he goes on, but the closing line in which captures our hearts in that particular letter is this. He said, Red, hope is a good thing. Hope is a good thing. Our passage this morning reveals to us a letter, a lesson on hope. It's the next chapter in the life of Mary and Joseph and concerning the naming and dedication of the baby Jesus. We're told in verse 21 of chapter 2 that Mary and Joseph take the child to the temple to be circumcised, and then he is to be named, and he's given the name Jesus as commanded by the angel Gabriel. But according to, to uh, Leviticus chapter 12, verses 1 through 8, 33 days after that, they are to go back to the temple and offer a sacrifice on behalf of both a sin offering and a purification offering for Mary. Because of their economic situation, it says that they can bring either two doves or two pigeons. And that is given in Leviticus chapter 12, verse 8, for a provision for those who are poor, which gives us an indication that the wise men have not yet come. Because if they would have been given gold, frankincense, and myrrh, then they would have had to purchase a sheep, a lamb. But they really didn't need to purchase a lamb, not just because of their economic condition, but because they were carrying the Lamb of God. The sin offering is not for Jesus. It's for Mary. And it's also for Joseph. And it's a cleansing offering. There, they meet two interesting individuals, Simeon and Anna. 
in the portion of scripture that Pastor Steve read for us, we are going to see a vital lesson on the issue of hope. An issue of hope. We've already been awakened by the decisions or the desires of our children, no matter what age, you get a Christmas list. And on that list are things that they hope for. Sometimes it's fulfilled, sometimes it is not. But what we have in our passage here of Luke chapter 2, verses 21 to 24, is the clarification of the rituals that Mary and Joseph had to go through. Now, we look at these as just rituals, but in reality, what is about to happen is heaven is coming to earth. You might remember just last week we made mention of the shepherds. And what was the song of the angels to them? Glory to God in the highest and on earth. There's peace, goodwill toward men. In other words, Jesus Christ came from heaven to earth in order to fulfill the plan of God. And so when we look at these particular rituals from verse 21 to 24, that's all they are to us. We have no, confer- we have no understanding fully of what is taking place. But you need to keep this point in mind as we finish throughout this passage. Is that to the Jewish people, the temple was their life. It was the place that not only did they go to worship God, but it was a place that they literally believed that God's presence was there. Heaven came down to earth. See, it's not an accidental or coincidence that the many centuries acts like this took place in the temple. They would go there because it's where sins are forgiven. It's where people get purified. Nobodies become somebody. People get a name. Outcasts enter into a covenant relationship with God. Human lives are given divine purpose and they are commissioned by God. The Israelites love this. That's why Mary and Joseph came and presented Jesus as an offering to God. What they weren't counting on, though, is meeting Simeon. Now, this is the only place in Scripture where he is even mentioned. In fact, Simeon and Anna do not appear ever again once you get beyond verse 35, 38. Their names are dropped. They're never mentioned ever again. Luke is the only gospel writer that includes them in this moment of Jesus' life. And so we're going to take a few moments to look at them. It says that in verse uh, 23, 
Behold, there was a certain man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous or just and devout, waiting for the consolation or the hope of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. There's enough information there to stop for about an hour. But remember, I only have 10 minutes. Luke describes for us an individual throughout his life that we know he is set apart, what appears to be set apart from other individuals. And he lives in Jerusalem. Now you have to understand too that Jerusalem is where the temple is supposed to be. The temple is going to be rebuilt, by the way, in the years to come. But back in that time, Jerusalem, not Bethlehem, Jerusalem was to be the holy presence of God. It's called the city of peace, Jerusalem. It is there that Simeon lives. And he's described as an individual who is righteous, who is devout, who is Waiting. There's our first lesson about hope. Hope is produced through waiting. The Apostle Paul says it a little bit differently in Romans chapter 5, specifically in verse 5, when he says that patience is not a shame. We're not ashamed of patience because in it is our hope in God. There's a hope that we have yet to experience, dear people, and it's not going to be underneath the tree. It's going to be on the streets of gold. Going home. Hope. That is our great hope. It's not something that we hope we can go to heaven. No, it's a reality that we long for and we're waiting for it. In fact, I think, quite frankly, that's one of the dangers of the spiritual danger of COVID. Where are our eyes focused? We'll get to that in two weeks. Their hope, Simeon had one hope and it's described for us as he comes back into the temple because the Holy Spirit tells him and he sees Mary and Joseph and the baby. He had, you kind of wonder if that maybe throughout the years that he's waiting, he sees a new baby come and he goes rushing up to it, wondering, is this the one? No. Years have gone by. But he goes rushing up. A stranger. Mary and Joseph had no idea who he was. Now, now ladies, it'd be like taking your newborn child to Walmart. And all of a sudden, some stranger comes up to you and says, can I hold your baby? There might be an incident there. Simeon comes up and it says he takes the child and he begins to sing. This is the fourth song of the book of Luke. The first song is to Zacharias at the birth of 
John the Baptist. Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1 has the second song. It's the song of Mary at the news of her baby. The third song is the song of the angels as they sing to the shepherds. This is the fourth song of Luke's gospel. Because Simeon now says, Lord, now we, you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all people, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Now I can die in peace. Everything that I've longed for, you've allowed to happen in front of my eyes. Simeon. What an unbelievable song to sing. What an unbelievable news given to Mary and Joseph because it says in verse 33 that Joseph and his mother, uh, Jesus' mother should be, not Joseph's mother, but Je Je you know what I'm talking about. Marveled at those things which were spoken by him. This is unbelievable. They didn't get a chance to hear the song of the angels. That, that song was related to them by the shepherds. Now they're hearing a song that is unbelievable. He's the light to the Gentiles. He's the glory of Israel. This little baby, 21 and a half inches long, 8.5 ounce, 8 pounds, 5 ounces. I don't know if that's true or not. But anyway, this thing here. And they rejoiced. But then Simeon enters another stanza. Oh, by the way, he says, um, this child, he's going to cause trouble. Some are not going to like him. Some will like him. Isn't that evident even today? At the name of Jesus, you've got those who rejoice and you've got those who curse. But the second part was what got Mary. For he says, Mary, a sword is going to pierce your heart. What? Oh, okay. See you. I got to go now. Have a good day. And he leaves. And he leaves Mary there with an, a statement that she carries with her all the way to the cross. What Simeon was speaking about was the direction or at least the mission of why the baby came. He's going to die. 
And you kind of wonder later on as Luke develops this throughout his gospel and he gets to the end, when Mary is there at the cross, at the foot of the cross, she remembers what Simeon said. A sword is going to pierce your heart. Mary, you are going to watch the death of your firstborn son, and you can't stop it. I would dare say in this congregation that we would do everything and we do everything that we can to make sure our children are safe. But sometimes God has a different plan. Mary carried that burden with her for 33 years years and it wasn't until if you read the gospel or the book of acts that mary was in the upper room when the holy spirit came now she knew the joy the hope the waiting simeon leaves And they're standing there, and here the Lord has another lady by the name of Anna. Anna comes, and while Simeon is speaking to Mary and Joseph, Anna comes in and tells of her joy. All we know about Anna is that after the seven years of marriage, she is now a widow, And she ministered up to her present age of 84. And she never left the temple. She prayed and fasted. And she hung around the temple. And she too, looking forward to the coming of the consolation of Israel. But you'll notice that As the text tells us in verses 36 through 38, that Anna came and she gave thanks to the Lord, verse 38, and spoke of Jesus to all those who looked for redemption in Jerusalem. Here he is. He's here. Now, the interesting thing about this is that there were others. She makes an interesting statement to all those who look for. He's here. Which means there were other individuals who would determine that Messiah was to come. Anna says he's here. Now let's get back to this temple thing. What do we mean by that? Well, just to remember what I said earlier, when heaven invades earth, sins are forgiven. Outcasts get taken into a covenant relationship. Nobodies become somebodies. The poor in spirit get blessed. People get identity. Simon 
his name is changed to Peter. Saul is changed to Paul. And we're given a mission. Go into all the world and make disciples. It's all happening now in Jesus Christ. It is all happening. Heaven is overlapping earth. Heaven is invading earth and nobody and anybody who wants to get on it can. You can too if you will just by faith trust in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins because Jesus went to the cross. His body was pierced by a sword and he died for our forgiveness which makes him not only did the deliverer of our life, but the leader of our life. Then heaven can begin to invade earth right there in you and right through you. Isn't it interesting that Mary and Joseph went to the temple to meet God, but they left with God in their arms and took him to their home And thus, their house became a dwelling place for God. You see, God, heaven is invading earth. And the temple is the picture of that. But it doesn't stop with Jesus. It's interesting that the Apostle Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians that You yourselves are God's temple. Now maybe you understand what that passage is all about. Because Paul says, for you are the temple of the living God. God wants heaven to invade earth through you. God wants us to do his will on earth so that heaven through you. As he works with you by his spirit, that according to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we are to be ambassadors of reconciliation, reconciling the world to God. Jesus is heaven invading earth. And when you invite Jesus to make his home in you, listen to some things that you can do. When you volunteer somewhere to help a left-out child learn how to read because they matter to Jesus. When you seriously pray for somebody who's in a spiritual turmoil, when you confess holding a grudge against somebody and you reconcile with them because Jesus says that's what you're supposed to do. And that's why he died on the cross. And when you get an idea to be generous with your money, and then you actually are generous with your money, when you take time to look somebody in the eye and love them, and when you have a hard conversation with somebody because they're stuck in sin, and because you love them, you are bringing heaven to earth. Because you are the temple Of God. And yet, even when it gets to that place that you don't have all you want, but with 
poise, patience, joyfulness, meekness, self-control, unselfish love, you demonstrate the temple of God. You and I, we are the portal where heaven is invading earth. If you keep doing that, like Simeon and Anna, then you'll sing a song of what it is to have hope in the Lord. Let's stand as we're dismissed in prayer. Gracious Father, we realize that your dwelling place now is not in brick and mortar. It's not hidden behind a curtain that only a few could enter. Your dwelling place resides in those who by grace through faith have trusted in you. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are called to bring heaven to earth in all of our actions. And sometimes that becomes a burden because we're still waiting. Like Simeon and Anna, we're still waiting to see our Savior. May we not become weary in well-doing. May we become hopeful and knowing yet what you have for us to do is to tell people about Jesus. We're coming to an end of another year, oh God. It's been a hard year in many ways. And yet still, you've determined not yet to come. Oh, may we never lose hope. Hope that maybe even before this year ceases, our presence with you as your church may begin. But until that time, let us be hopeful. Let us be righteous devout, looking for the return of our Savior. For it is in his name we pray these things. Amen.